Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test based in Annapolis, Maryland. Reconnecting knowledge and virtue. Visit us at cltexam.com. Hello, and welcome back to the CLT offices. We're glad you're here. Today, we're joined by Dr. Jason Jividen and Dr. Michael P. Crom, both from St. Vincent College. Dr. Jason Jividen is Associate Professor of Politics in the McKenna School of Business, Economics, and Government at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. He also serves as Chair of the Politics Department, Fellow in Civic and Constitutional Affairs for the Center for Political and Economic Thought, and Director of the Aurelius Scholars Program in Western Civilization. Dr. Crom became a member of the St. Vincent College faculty in 2007 after earning his PhD in Philosophy from Emory University and his Master of Arts degree from Boston College. Since then, he has been promoted to full professor and currently serves as chair of the philosophy department, director of Benedictine Leadership Studies, as well as director of the Faith and Reason Summers program. If this is your first time listening to us, I'd like to take a little bit of time to explain what Anchored is. This is a podcast where our CEO, Jeremy Tate, engages in conversations with leading thinkers on issues at the intersection of education and culture. We appreciate your feedback, so please rate and review this episode and send any questions or comments to anchored at cltexam.com. Now, without any further ado, let's get on with the conversation. Welcome back to the Anchor Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. Uh, Today we are live, we're not live, but we are on campus at St. Vincent College, one of my favorite colleges uh, in beautiful, snowy Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Um, And what we've been trying to do this past month is bring you uh, some stories and to introduce you to some of the best programs that are out there uh, and some of the ones that are really popular among CLT test takers already. So I'm here this morning with Dr. Michael Crom. Dr. Crom is the uh, director of the Benedictine Leadership Program here at St. Vincent College, and also Dr. Jason Jividen, who is the director of the Aurelius Scholars Program. Uh, Dr. Uh, Jividen, Dr. Crom, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. So we'll start with uh, Dr. Crom. Love to get to know you a little bit, just kind of your academic background and then how you found your way to St. Vincent College. I kind of think of this college as this this kind of gem that I didn't, I personally didn't know about until I was a couple of years uh, into college counseling at uh, Mount DeSales Academy in Kingsville, Maryland. Um, and it started to be a popular destination for some of our students. Um, and since then, I've been on campus a number of times and I love getting out here. It's kind of therapeutic. It's a beautiful setting. Um, how did you discover St. Vincent? So just a bit of a background. So it turns out that, uh, that Jeremy and I are both from Beaverton, and Oregon. So what are the chances we find ourselves in Latrobe, Pennsylvania? Uh, and uh, I went to a small Catholic college in California uh, as a science major and not knowing much about either the Catholic intellectual tradition or the great books or liberal arts and discovered philosophy and, and uh, became Catholic there. And uh, one thing led to another, and here I am in southwestern Pennsylvania at St. Vincent College. And as Jeremy said, it's a place that I was I had not heard of until I interviewed here and wondered, why did I not know about it? It's the oldest Benedictine institution uh, in, in the country. Uh, we have strong programs in the liberal arts, uh, in the Catholic intellectual tradition, uh, but also have a breadth of majors uh, from uh, for things in the sciences and business uh, for students who are interested in pursuing a Catholic liberal arts education in the context of one of those larger programs. Uh, so, and here I am directing the Benedictine Leadership Studies program, which I've been doing for three years. 
Uh, we attract uh, 20 students a year in an immersion formation program in uh, the teachings of the Catholic Church and in Benedictine spirituality and cap off that four-year program with a, a spring break trip to Rome in the, in the senior year. That's amazing. Dr. Crom, I got to tell you, my first time ever visiting St. Vincent College, uh, I was a college counselor. And like you, I'm a dad of six. I think we had four at the time. And so I was kind of drowning in babies. And I got a chance to come out here and stay at the monastery. And I think for, for a short time, my sanity like fully returned to me. It was the most peaceful. And so since that experience, uh, I, I really just love this college. Um, I want to turn over now and talk to Dr. Jividen. Um, you are the director of the Aurelius uh, Scholars Program here, and um, I'm really interested in talking to you because Mary Pop recently went through the program. Yeah. Uh, Mary's mother, Ruth Pop, of course, was integral in founding CLT as we launched back in 2015. Um, and honestly, I think if there was one family I know that did the, the just did the most homework in terms of researching the right college, the right programs, uh, it was the Pop family mm-hmm. for sure. And um, and actually, I ran into Ruth recently and, and had nothing but the most amazing things to say about Mary's time uh, at St. Vincent. Um, yeah, so tell us about kind of your journey to St. Vincent College. Uh, how did you find it? Yeah, uh, I'm originally from West Virginia, about four hours south of here. Uh, my training in graduate school was in political philosophy. And so I came to the Great Books through that angle, that window. And I had sort of similar to Michael, not at a liberal arts college, but at a big state school, Marshall University in West Virginia, it was a small pocket of people who were doing those things. And I started to figure out after a while that you had to search those things out. It wasn't something that was necessarily being thrown at me from the college itself. But I came here, I always say I came here on purpose. I had another tenure track job was doing quite well in another place, but I knew what was going on in St. Vincent in the politics department. And so it's one of the, I'd say it's one of the stronger small politics departments in any Catholic school around the country. And so I came here on purpose to work mm-hmm. in the politics department. And when I came, I was offered the opportunity to take over the Aurelius Scholars Program, which had existed here for probably about 20 years. I've been here 12 years. Okay. Um, but we wanted to up the focus a little bit, sort of reorganize a bit. And it's really a Western Civ-based uh, course sequence. We had a core curriculum then that has since been revised, but we were trying to give a little more coherence to directed students who really wanted to focus on great books with regard to the core. And the core wasn't necessarily doing that across the board mm-hmm. because students treated it in some ways like cafeteria plan. And so we wanted to make that a little more coherent. Some of those problems have since been, I think, remedied at the college level, but we've mm-hmm. maintained the really scholars just because of the spirit of that program. And so um, the core sequence is actually being revised, but it's largely been traditionally in Western Civ and uh, Western intellectual tradition in terms of uh, history, philosophy, especially political philosophy, which both of us specialize in, um, Brit Lit, um, as much as we can get in, uh, and then, of course, um, uh, Catholic theology. And so it's something that's been a big part of the Royce College for a long time, and now we're just um, finding our feet again with this new honors um, community that we're all a part of here on campus. So it sounds like, so both of these programs are, they're, they're two of kind of the six kind of honors programs. Is that accurate at St. Vincent College? Yes, correct. Okay, and then the Aurelius Scholars Program, uh, this is a small group. And these students, uh, would you say they would need to have kind of a predisposition and an interest in political philosophy? And I, I think, I wouldn't say political philosophy per se, but I think an interest in just reading great books of Western civilization. People that are interested in Shakespeare or Plato or reading about the Romans or reading about the Greek. Students have sometimes these unformed interests yeah. that they've sort of discovered. We can help them do that here. And so uh, it's not at all unique to say that um, there are other programs that do that, but I think we do it very, very well. And, and the fact that we're small, it's usually about 25 to 30 students at any time, which allows us to have something we do very often is very focused reading groups. We do mm-hmm. extracurricular trips. 
we've done international trips just last year before the pandemic when we went to Cyprus and Athens. Um, we do a lot of local trips. We go to D.C., but being so close to Pittsburgh, we're able to go to the museums. So we get to go see the symphony. We get to see art. We get mm-hmm. to go see uh, natural history. So it's um, we're sort of in a proximity where we're close to a lot of things. Um, we're in a rural environment, but we can mm-hmm. be somewhere pretty quickly. And so we've tried to work reading groups, trips, uh, lectures, roundtables, and a lot of the honors community programs um, work together and to try to bring students that are like-minded uh, to read these books. You know, I'm thinking about a lot of the, the schools where that are popular among CLT test takers. And Dr. Crumb, a lot of schools where you, you're, you're frequently on the road speaking at places like Franciscan, Christendom. Um, and when I hear, you know, and I talk to parents, and I, I try to talk to parents every chance I get about kind of your, your list, and typically they'll list, you know, Franciscan or Benedictine or UD, and, and it's not too frequently, not as frequently as I, I would hope, and St. Vincent is on that list as well, but it seems like a, a good one to add as kind of part of that mix, um, especially with these, these programs. Um, one thing I, I want to kind of dig into a bit is the, the Benedictine presence here, um, especially the vow of stability, which... I, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe a couple other colleges would have this, but the, the Benedictine monks here, they take a vow. They're on campus their whole life. Um, how does that kind of change the whole college to have that presence uh, of monks on campus? It's palpable. And when I visited here in 2007 for the interview, uh, it, it also changed the way I thought about the choice before me. I'm from, you know, living uh, 3000 miles from, from home and had other offers at the time. And my, my wife, when I, I spoke to her the night that I was here about St. Vincent, she said there was something that seemed different about the experience at St. Vincent. And uh, when we came to visit, we were looking at houses and, and the arch abbot uh, gave a homily at the morning mass. And uh, something he said, again, resonated that the choice of house that we focused on something a bit more modest, a bit more that made sense for someone who's trying to live out a uh, Catholic, uh, Catholic mission and, and that, that encouragement to live out uh, one's vocation more fully mm-hmm. is something that a, that a Benedictine community really helps you to do, just their presence on the campus. It is the largest Benedictine uh, monastery in, in the Western Hemisphere, as, as I understand. So we have about 175 monks, which is wow. pretty amazing when you think of a lot of monasteries have mm-hmm. 10, 10 to 15 students or 10 to 15 monks there. And uh, so that does really shape the, the experience here. And uh, speaking to those other colleges, which uh, I can use my own personal experience, we homeschooled and then classical schooled uh, our kids. And when my oldest was looking at colleges, we started with the Newman Guide, and I was thinking Newman Guide only. And um, he uh, he is a music composition major, and a lot of those schools do not have uh, do not have music composition, and so it really narrowed the field. And uh, so we had to look at some other schools. Uh, as a result of that, and seeing the many good things going on at schools. I think St. Vincent is one of those schools that I think we belong on the Newman Guide, but that's another another conversation. Uh, But I would describe us as offering that immersion experience that you can get at a place like a Christendom, uh, a TAC, Steubenville or Hillsdale, uh, within a broader community where we have majors like physics, finance, nursing, uh, pre-medical uh, fields, in addition to the humanities and political philosophy like Dr. Jibben uh, spoke about. And so you can have that immersion experience in programs like Aurelius Scholars and in Benedictine Leadership Studies within that broader community. And, and I think I'm a convert myself. And I believe very strongly in that sense that I have that calling and other students do as well uh, to be a voice for the sanctity of life, to build up a a culture of life 
uh, within a broader context in which you have that kind of the barracks to go back to the bunkers uh, in which you're going to get support, uh, but actually be involved in evangelizing uh, evangelizing the broader campus and out into the world. Fantastic. Uh, so we, we actually got up this morning at about 4.15 and left Annapolis, Maryland, and we did the road trip out here. But on the way here, I, I, we were chatting about St. Vincent College and especially the, the monks here and the vow of stability. Um, and, and we're in this world now where like everybody is transient. Everybody's trying to find uh, a cool place to go to, uh, the most amazing place to go to, instead of creating a place to be amazing, which I feel like is exactly over the past how 200 years, right, uh, has been built here, this amazing legacy at St. Vincent. Um, and in many ways, you, you, you feel how it is, it is saturated uh, with the Catholic faith here. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, for parents, and as I, as I connect with CLT test takers and their parents, I think a big area of concern um, is that they view most colleges, most Catholic colleges, as, uh, as compromised, as not being authentically Catholic. Um, and so, you know, there are parents who've maybe heard of St. Vincent, but they're wondering why it's not on the Newman Guide and maybe thinking that that's uh, a sign that it's not as authentically Catholic as, as others are. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, maybe Dr. Jividen or Dr. Crom, if you could maybe speak into that. Yeah, and I, I want to start with stability. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, uh, it's That is very difficult in modern age, and you think in academia, it's very common for academics to work in a, few, a place for a few years and then move on to the next place where there's a new center being formed or uh, go to another place where uh, the hot new thing is happening. And uh, and I have felt very much, and I think the Benedictine community assists with that, in saying that I think God is calling me to be here. Are there times where I think you know, that the fight is very difficult. Uh, COVID has been hard all over the world, right? For the last couple of years, the number of times where you, you, uh, you know, you, you feel like you're being attacked uh, uh, by the, the policies of, the, of your state or local government. And, um, but I felt, I think this is a place that I'm committed to and uh, that that is an important part of any, of any formation. Um, so, yeah, definitely at St. Vincent, when we, when we think about uh, that immersion that we provide uh, in these programs, uh, I want it to be transparent. I always say to other uh, families when they're asking these questions about our uh, Catholic commitment that you will encounter here uh, students who do not share your faith or who aren't living out, uh, members of the community more broadly. And, uh, and that's something I want you to know when you come here, that that will be part of your experience but you're doing it in a place in which you know that you are with that mission, uh, that the monastery uh, faculty uh, who are committed to uh, to building up that mission will be supportive and you'll have the coursework and those opportunities outside of class to grow. So uh, so I think you'll need to know that when, when they come to a place uh, that uh, that has that unique, uh, unique mission, uh, that those are challenges, but I, I think those things make us stronger and help us to form our character uh, uh, more, more, more fully. Yeah, add something very quickly. Yeah. One thing in, in last year or so, the college core curriculum has been revised to include um, freshman seminars. And the first one's called the listening seminar. The first word of the rule of Benedict is listen. Hmm. And so it's called the listening seminar. And one thing, a big part of that course is just reflecting on mission and the various Benedictine hallmarks. And the two that stood out most, at least my students, I taught a section this last semester, for stability and hospitality. Mm-hmm. And so the students themselves uh, would actually say, um, well, coming here, you read these things on a brochure. It sounds like marketing. <laughs> they want us to come to school here. But then after about three or four weeks, you say, no, I think there's something to this. Six weeks. Yeah. No, I think this really exists here. Eight weeks. I really like it here. Right? Yeah. And you see it sort of develop. The students understand that we do take these things seriously here. We, a large part of that course was explaining to them what it means to study 
at this place mm. with emphasis on place um, and trying to reflect upon the fact that you're somewhere special. And we really yeah. believe that. I think the students come to understand. I, I want to dig in on that point for a minute, the, the importance of place, because, you know, there, there's a conversation happening right now, the national level, like what even is the future of brick and mortar colleges, right? And I think for a lot of colleges, they can't really make a case for why being present at a particular location actually matters. And I think that their vision for education, which is sort of the transmission of kind of facts, um, there's no reason why an online program couldn't do that equally as well. But I've heard both of you already kind of refer to this education as actually as formation, you know, and the place itself really, really does matter. The physical place matters. Um, I think as, as Catholics, that makes all the sense in the world. We, we believe in a God who took on flesh and became incarnate. Um, can you speak a little bit more about kind of this, this place, what makes this place special? Well, I think so much of your education takes place in relationships and, and some of that can be approximated virtually. You can try to substitute that virtually. You can have conversations virtually, but not just relationships between students, but between students and professors, between students and administration. And we have a, a monastery with 160 monks in it. Mm-hmm. The fact that we cultivate these relationships, I think just can't really be reproduced in a, an online environment. And so I think one example of this is the various reading groups that we do throughout the year. They become communities where smaller communities within a broader community where students come to appreciate the time they spend, especially during the COVID thing. When we were able to come back out in person, we were wearing masks, but we got them socially distanced. But we came back and sat around a seminar table and actually had a civilized face-to-face conversation about readings. The students just lit up. It was like they'd been locked away for, for several months. And again, there are some intangibles there, uh, but I think a lot of it's just about relationships. And we've mentioned political philosophy, and I don't want to dominate. So, oh, it's all about political philosophy, but um, that's part of the broader liberal education. We're supposed to ask how we're supposed to live, but we live together. Mm-hmm. And so we're supposed to ask the question, how do we live together? And one way to do that is face-to-face through conversations. There's something very humanizing about that. I think the students appreciate that. And, and, and for people who have never experienced that, mm-hmm. it might be easier for them to try to make the case for a fully virtual program. But once you've experienced that, you know there's really no substitute for it. Tell me a bit about kind of nuts and bolts. If you're a parent student listening, and I'm encouraged there's a growing group of uh, teachers. So thank you if you're listening who assigned the Anchor podcast for their students, uh, which is exciting. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, okay, wh- which program is for me? Well, what are kind of what's kind of a good next step if they're hearing, hey, Benedictine Leadership Program, Aurelius Scholars Program? Um, how do you get a sense of what might be a good fit? Uh, tell us some of the nuts and bolts of the application process as well. Sure. And and I also just to speak to the the importance of place, picking up from what Dr. Jividen said, that I think, Jeremy, you experience this when you come to campus. It is a beautiful setting. You're in the at the Basilica seeing the mountains with Wimmer statue and that the rural uh, setting of the campus is conducive to contemplation, to reflection. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that online. Uh, so being uh, together in a place, I found lots of ways to get students outside uh, during COVID, have class outside. Logic outside has been quite an adventure <laughs> with, with the students. Uh, and uh, and one of the things that is you cannot do on Zoom, not only because of the sacraments, but even just trying to pray together, mm. you cannot uh, pray the divine office together on Zoom. We've tried. <laughs> it does not work very well. So you have to be in person uh, to pray and worship as, as a community. Uh, so I think reflecting on that is the first step in saying which program or which programs at St. Vincent uh, should should one apply to is that I haven't gone through the process with my own son, two sons now, 
Uh, you can't rationally settle upon all the facts and pros and cons of programs. You have to discern where, where are you called to be. And so what we're looking for in those applications to really scholars, to Benedict and leadership studies is, are you committed to being in this kind of program? There are lots of uh, reading groups, honors programs out there, lots of leadership programs out there, but ones that have these unique uh, focuses is, uh, is something that we're looking for interest uh, in, in that. And a good thing is that you don't have to choose between them. You can be in multiple programs in the honors community. You live in the oh, same okay. housing together, but you can be in really scholars and in Benedictine leadership studies or in one of our other four programs. Uh, we have some seminars in common, no matter which of those six that you're in, uh, that you can be involved in. So on some level, apply to the ones that you think you're interested in uh, to cultivate that aspect of your character. And then uh, and then you'll have we, hopefully a difficult decision of multiple programs. And, and I should mention within that as well, we just built a new minor in classical thought uh, for people who want to teach in a classical school or just be involved in, in working perhaps for Jeremy Tate. That is, is so, <laughs> so crucial. Yeah, I mean, there's such a need right now at these young classical schools to have teachers that are really well-formed. You know, and in some of these heads of schools, you talk to them and they almost view uh, state certification sometimes even as a liability because it, it signals they've ingested a bunch of bad ideas for a very long time. So that is really wonderful news. That, that's a new program you're launching? Yes, yeah, starting in the fall. And, and I, just to speak to that, if you've read Rod Dreher's Benedict Option, he mentions Elk County, uh, Pennsylvania as a place you know to, to form these yeah, kind of communities. Okay. Sam McDonald is the president of the Catholic school system there. He reached out to us because we helped form a classical school, Christ the Divine Teacher in Latrobe, wanted mm-hmm. to see what we're doing. And he said, I told him about the minor in classical thought. And he said, we often have to untrain people who come in here who want to teach. And it is very hard to find teachers who have even a basic background in Western Civ, uh, in, in Latin, in logic. And so he said, you're having this minor will really help us in the growing classical school movement. So we're very excited to, to work with them. And yeah, this, I, I, I'm actually wondering now, I mean, is there anything else like this? Because I, I know of UD's graduate program, and I know, I believe Benedict, Benedictine is, is launching a graduate program. So at the undergraduate level, I haven't heard of something focused on, on really preparing teachers to teach at these great new classical schools. Is this pretty unique? I, I think so. I would have thought there was more of it. And I, and I did a little bit of research in preparing for the minor and uh, did not find as many as, as you would have thought. And uh, so part of what made it possible for us is we have a very strong education program. So for people who want to get state uh, certification, one of the professors there, Aaron Sams, is committed to classical education himself. He jumped at the opportunity. Yeah. The, the minor requires a, cap, a classical pedagogy class. So getting a basic idea of the pedagogy of the curriculum of classical school. And uh, so we have an education professor here who mm-hmm. has that, that unique, uh, unique interest. And we're hoping to build up what's called Act 48 courses as well, which is continuing education for teachers. And that'll help uh, those who have classical uh, uh, programs to get their teachers that additional uh, training who are already on the job there. You know, one of the, the school networks that is just growing like wildfire are the Chesterton Academies. Uh, there's one in Annapolis, Azine and Bill Cleary, that they, they launched Um Seems like 20 more are launched every single year. Uh, I, I've discovered recently in conversations that, that, that St. Vincent College is a popular destination. Um, what is the relationship between the, the growing classical movement on the K-12 side and the way, you know, this is this question kind of goes beyond St. Vincent College, but the way that higher ed needs to respond uh, to this? 
Yeah, and there's a good article in National Review that Anika Prather uh, uh, authored. She was just here last week. She teaches, she founded a classical African-American classical school and speaks very passionately about how African-American communities have been harmed by uh, in during COVID uh, and seeing, I think in ways, seeing how much they weren't learning in public schools. Mm. A lot of parents yeah, are yeah. seeing this for the first time, how much their kids are not getting, and also some of the ideologies they're mm. being, they're being, that's being imposed upon them. So I think that there's a broader movement interest. The Cheshire Academies are growing, as you said, like wildfire. And uh, so I think that, that people who before, like marketing departments, mm. weren't aware of the classical school movement are getting excited about this. Great Hearts in, in uh, yeah. Arizona, who we're working with now as well, mm. and in Texas and, and New Mexico, uh, so I, I think we're only going to be seeing that growing, which is a great sign that schools are going to take notice like they did with homeschoolers starting about 15, 20 years ago, that they began to see these homeschoolers coming in uh, with very, very prepared, independent yeah. learners. And uh, so these are good signs that actually uh, things are going to get better in terms of people at least knowing who you are if you're coming with a classical education background. And these programs in particular, I can just say in the last what, Michael, four or five years, we're seeing more and more students mm. from these programs. I think the college here has has gotten their ear to the ground on these things, and I think families are starting to see it. So we are. We, we were kind of joking earlier before we started recording that you know um, just being able to tell people where St. Vincent is, who we are, and what we're yeah. doing, and this is an opportunity to do that. And I can just say, in the Aurelius College program, and probably the last four or five years, I've really noticed a huge uptick in students that are coming from these programs, which is fantastic. That's exactly what we want. You know, my uh, my great my greatest regret from college, besides going from LSU, I have a complicated relationship with LSU. I love some Tyrant football, but like I didn't know about St. Vincent or Thomas Aquinas College or Franciscan. I totally would have gone somewhere like that if I could do it over. But I also regret not studying abroad. Um, so if you go into to St. Vincent College and you're doing uh, the Realist Scholars Program or the Benedictine Leadership Program, um, what may your study abroad program look like as well? Do, do all of the students do that? Do some of them do that? Can you speak to that? Yeah, you, your program is much more uh, developed at this point. You want to start and say something as well? Sure. And I should also mention, I, I have to promote the philosophy department here as well. <laughs> you know, one of our uh, father, Basil Burns, got his master's in politics at LSU. So we have an LSU uh, guy here. He worked on Aquinas at UD for his, his PhD. We just hired two Catholic U uh, grads, uh, Jessica Jones and Carl Botter, uh, who uh, work on Aquinas, uh, Plato and, and yeah. Aquinas. And uh, so I just wrote a book on Aquinas's moral, economic and political thought. So we have a very strong philosophy program here and have a seminary as well. So uh, so if you if you're also discerning a priestly or religious vocation, we have the seminary uh, in addition to the monastery. But in terms of travel with with BLS, all of the students go to Rome the spring break of their senior year. And that's our capstone. The senior year is committed to preparing you to look at leadership and the history uh, of Rome, of Benedictine spiritual spirituality for, for that trip. So that's part of the program. And uh, we're all, we also have travel courses. Of course, the last couple of years have been difficult. Uh, we have a course on Ireland, liberal arts and St. John Henry Newman in Ireland. Oh. And uh, there's a, uh, there's Benedictine Monastery there, Glenstall Abbey we've been working with. So we're adding travel opportunities. I'm also working on an outdoor leadership course. If you're interested in backpacking and uh, doing a 70 mile, uh, seven mile trip is the, is the completion of the course. Uh, so those are ad hoc things. In addition to going to, we were at Belmont Abbey 
in the fall, uh, really as scholars as well, students uh, for a for a seminar that Belmont Abbey hosted. So there are more ad hoc events, but the Rome, of course, is is the big program. We so have that, a, the Rome. That's a semester or a summer. How do, so that's a spring break trip, but we also have a summer institute in Rome. It's a four-week program that anyone in the college can do. Okay. Uh, and uh, so Dr. Foss is teaching Roman political thoughts. Liz Lev is teaching art, Catholic arts uh, in, in, you know, in situ there. And then mm-hmm. I'll be teaching one of our seminars this, this summer. So tell me a bit more about faculty. And I know I know of some of the rock stars here, Dr. Jerome Foss uh, and others. Don't tell him you said that. If not <laughs> um, but I'm wondering, I, I can't imagine this having gone to LSU where I, I talked to friends who went to TAC or, or somewhere Hillsdale. You know, we have you know dinner with our professor like every week or something. I don't think I, I yeah, I never had dinner with something at a professor's house. Um, is it that kind of a relationship here with, with students and faculty? What is it like? It is that relationship with students and faculty. It's, it's pretty tight knit. We're small enough and concerned enough to cultivate that. Um, there are, I would say, some rock star professors here. They're fantastic faculty here across all sorts of disciplines. Of course, in politics and philosophy, we're pretty good. <laughs> but across the board, um, we have good faculty. But it is um, what we have here are faculty that are first and foremost teachers. I think if we were first and foremost going to be researchers, we'd be somewhere else. We do those things. We write books. We write articles. We we actually are very engaged in the scholarly community. We're all here because we want to teach, and we want to teach at a liberal, a proper, true liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as I said earlier, I came here on purpose for that reason, not only because it was going on here, but I wanted to contribute to it and help build it. And so, there are certain programs where I think the emphasis on common readings and great books helps to cultivate that a little bit, maybe more than some disciplines. Okay. Um, reading groups have been a big part of that, but even the faculty, we we are friends. Many of us outside of this campus, we engage in reading groups together. We do things mm-hmm. together. We think about ideas together. And I think it just sort of bleeds over into how we how we run the classroom. And so it is um, something that I was not accustomed to, certainly as a student. We yeah. joke about this all the time in my department, that our students, as many opportunities we can offer, um, sometimes I think they think that's the norm. <laughs> they really don't know the fact that most students are not getting that sort of experience, especially yeah. at a big R1 somewhere um, where you probably uh, aren't even known by your name. And so I think a lot of students mm-hmm. are spoiled in a great way, right? I'd love to yeah, see yeah. that, you know, it, it may be a little... Uh, uh, living on uh, in an experience that they're not not quite um, aware of how rare it is. Yeah. What would you say is a good, you know, and there, there are a lot of options, you know, at CLT, we really don't ever uh, promote at all programs that we don't actually really believe in. Uh, and, and I know, you know, St. Vincent has already been a very good home for, for so many CLT test takers and, and these families. Um, but what what is the good kind of like step? Because it, it's a it's hard to kind of just pick for four years. I think a lot of summer programs now are becoming really popular with a lot of families we connect with. Um, is there a way to just kind of get a taste without kind of fully committing if there are parents and students who are interested? In- yeah, so we have the Faith and Reason summer program uh, on campus uh, at St. Vincent for high school students. And it's a full week immersion in, in great books, in uh, seminars in worship. Ultimate Frisbee is very popular nice. among the students yeah. here. The important things. Uh, the important things. Okay. Um, faith, reason, and ultimate Frisbee, uh, which go well together, we found, and hiking. Uh, so come for a week. Uh, we do have scholarship funding available for that. Uh, so if the finances are the only thing. <laughs> and uh, I cannot say enough for these programs at Steubenville, Belmont Abbey, at, at Benedictine, at TAC. Do mm-hmm. one of those programs, Wyoming Catholic yeah. College. Okay. Go ahead and do one of those to get a sense of what college is like, what you're looking for. And one of the things I think going back to what we said about place is come to campus. And in general, I think looking at colleges is 
go to a few campuses to get a sense of what you're looking for. And don't focus on the major, which a lot of people uh, think it's the major. Focus on the formation that you're going to get at a school, knowing there's a good chance that you will change your major and you're looking for faculty mentors who mm-hmm. can help you in that process of discernment. So definitely look into Faith and Reason Okay. Uh, summer program is something we're doing and come for some of our campus fits. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's the faith and reason summer program. And then what are the dates with that? Yeah. So this coming summer are uh, Sunday, June 19th through Saturday, June 25th. And um, in the last year before COVID, uh, we had uh, about 40 students. So we're hoping to get that back again. Half of them are returning students and do a different uh, kind of part two of the seminars one thing we're building in this year by popular demand is we have the Friday night will now be a barn dance. And that uh, is so, yeah, cool. so I'm excited <laughs> about that, that, that too. I'm not excited about videos of me dancing, but I'm excited <laughs> about uh, the getting the students to have a good time to wrap it up. Yeah, that, that's really fun. That's that's really nice. Something real yeah. quickly, you mentioned coming to campus. Um, one thing that if, if uh, parents and students come and they're interested in these programs, something mm-hmm. like the really scholars where we would have, certain courses that are part of that program, I would certainly encourage uh, students to sit in on classes, whether it be a politics course, philosophy course, literature course, we can help you find those classes to sit in and really just mm-hmm. see what we're doing on a daily basis. The other thing is if you happen to be here, um, we do host uh, lecture series across several different programs on campus um, that are all open to the public. For example, we have a center for political and economic thought that is connected with the Aurelia scholars. Mm-hmm. Um, we could make that schedule available and those are evening events with parents around the area. Come to the come to lecture, come to the dinner, and kind of see some of the things we do just in the extracurricular arena. <laughs> Love that. So typically, we end the anchored podcast uh, by asking our guests uh, about the book that has been most formative or uh, influential on you. I want to nuance that just a, a bit here, and, and wondering what what text uh, do you get most excited to dig into with students? That's a good question. Um, so. Right now, I'm going to go with the rule of St. Benedict um, because it is what marks us off as, you know, there's liberal arts colleges, great books programs, Catholic or you know, Protestant uh, schools. And uh, then what is unique about a Benedictine school? And the rule of St. Benedict is practical uh, uh, advice or constitution, you could say. It's the mm-hmm. oldest uh, uh, written constitution in the world that for 1500 years has guided men and women and helped to preserve Western civilization. And so getting students exposed to it and them seeing that on the one hand, it has lofty uh, uh, advice for listening carefully to the words of wisdom of the master's instruction of forming oneself in grace. Uh, but it also has very practical things like take your knife off before you go to bed. <laughs> so so you, you get this document that uh, for philosophers who tend to think entirely in terms of the contemplative to really think, how do we form a community together in terms of food and drink, in terms of who who gets to make decisions about things? How do you grow in, in the context of the community, uh, consulting even the youngest members of the community when decisions are to be made? And the fact that it is still being followed by the monks of places like St. Vincent is a testament to the fact that this is the kind of document that is a guide for life, whether you become a monk or a lay person, uh, that you will find it moving you. And I think, as Dr. Jibben said, with the fall freshman, the number of freshmen who, again, did not have a Catholic formation or a Christian formation and maybe came here for sports or some other uh, program and were not as excited or knowledgeable about it, have generally found themselves uh, to be to be moved to say mm-hmm. that, yeah, we all need stability, especially in, in our world where that is very hard to find uh, either in one's home, unfortunately, or in the broader society. So it's a it's a great text for their lives, yeah. not just that freshman ball, wow. but through the whole program and on. 
I mean, it, it could not be more needed uh, in today's world where it's so toxically political, politically polarized and everything else that this, this first rule uh, of listening well, I mean, I would imagine most even high school or college students have never even been exposed to that idea to cultivate that. I mean, that must really open up the, the, the door for some meaningful dialogue between the students themselves. Definitely. And, and that's, and, and for me personally as well, I, I had no exposure to Benedictine spirituality when I came here and um, it's great for family life. So as a professor uh, trying to raise, you know, a big family and in a very supportive area, this is a great part of the country in general, put in another plug for, for Southwestern Pennsylvania yeah, yeah. as a place to live. If you're looking to live out, uh, you know, this kind of life that's family, family centered and faith centered. And uh, so for me, it has really helped. I think a Benedictine spirituality is the meat and potatoes uh, kind of formation. And I love Dominican spirituality and I I work on Aquinas. uh, But for a family, uh, you know, the Benedictine spirituality is is, is very helpful in just daily living. Yeah, fantastic. It's a great yeah. more time to think. <laughs> That's a great question. I, I think the, the one book that I get the most excited about if I'm going to be teaching at that semester is still Plato's Republic. I mean, after all these okay. years of teaching, and it's sort of the opposite direction from Michael's comment of trying to start with something very nuts and bolts and practical, the political, but ascending beyond that uh, mm. to think a bit about the contemplative life or how one ought to live. And frankly, I take some pride in taking a book that students say, how could this possibly be relevant? To, to me today in contemporary times yeah. and, and show them that very much the questions we're asking 25 years ago, the same questions we're asking, asking today. So I, I do teach Plato usually every semester, public maybe every couple of years, depending on the way courses roll around. But I think when, when I'm preparing for that is when I'm most excited because you see light bulbs turn on every time. And, and it's really nothing I'm doing. It's just putting this book before people mm. to devour it in a way that they haven't done that before. They've never had it put in front of them or had the questions asked that way before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, short answer, but that's, that's the answer. Love that. I'm going to give one more uh, kind of shout out to St. Vincent college here before we, so again, Ruth pop, I'm going to send this to you. Maybe, maybe you listen to every anchor already. Yeah, Mary but, pop is listening. Hello, yeah. Mary. We missed you. Yeah, that's, that's right. We, we, we love the pops here. Um, but again, I, I, this was a conversation not long ago, just a month or two ago and, and all of the pop girls, five girls, uh, went to great Catholic colleges. You know what I, I said? I said, of the five, you know, was, was there one that really stood out that was really, really, really special to you? And um, she absolutely raved about Mary's experience at St. Vincent College. Um, and so, and one of the many very amazing things that you do, and as a fellow dad of six kiddos here, which I appreciate, is St. Vincent actually has a very affordable price point um, where, you know, in a, in a time when the cost for uh, tuition has become pretty astronomical, uh, St. Vincent has managed to stay affordable for families, which... Uh, from one uh, big Catholic family dad to another, I uh, I really appreciate. Um, so fantastic. Uh, so again, we're here with Dr. Michael Crom, who is the director of the Benedictine Leadership Program here at St. Vincent College, and Dr. Jividen as well, who is the director of the Aurelius Scholars Program. Uh, and the program we're talking about here is a Faith and Reason Summer Program. The dates on that are again Sunday, June nineteenth to Saturday, June twenty fifth. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.